Welcome to HomeWise. We are Steve and Kara Murphy. We have been married for just over a quarter century. We're the parents of 11 and grandparents of four. I am a pastor full-time and part-time run a construction business with our older sons. My wife Kara is a uh, very long-term homeschool mom. Been doing that for almost a quarter century. And we live in the mountains of Virginia. And our desire with this podcast is to help parents, primarily moms, apply wisdom in everything having to do with the home. Today on the HomeWise podcast, we're going to discuss a topic that, um, that unfortunately we have to talk about sometimes, and that is where our children are spiritually and how you can, as a parent, diagnose their spiritual state, which can be a very hard thing. It can be tricky. Yeah. You can think you know what you're looking at and then find out you were wrong. Right. Well, the first caution is don't go overboard with this. (laughs) Diagnosing their spiritual state? Yeah. Yeah. I have known families who spend so much time diagnosing where their children are spiritually that, you know, uh, foolishness is bound up in the heart of a child. We don't need to go into the deeper, darker motives of why the child took the cookie from the cookie jar. Hmm. You know, he just needs to be disciplined and move on. (laughs) And know that he's a child and that's what children do. Right. When they're young and foolish. Right. Um, And so... If they're 17 and still doing that. That's a different thing. Yeah. But, uh... But I would like to encourage, first, make sure that you diagnose your child's spiritual state when you really need to, mm-hmm. and not don't live in this constant fearful or overly emphasizing state. Yeah, but the morbid introspection kind of Thank you. That's the word mindset. I'm... That's what I'm looking for. Yeah. Um, the second thing is, human beings are very complex creatures, and the heart is desperately wicked. Who can know it? Mm-hmm. That is not to say that we can't look at someone and make some diagnostic assumptions about where their heart is. Mm-hmm. But at the same time, um, we will never even know our own heart completely. Mm-hmm. It's probably better we don't anyways. It would probably just depress us at how sinful we really are deep down inside. <laughs> but understand that, like you said... Not only can they, you know, quote, fool us, but also uh, many times they don't understand what's driving them either. Mm -hmm. And so this is definitely a process and not something that we will always have perfectly nailed all the time. Would you say that it's the parent's responsibility, every parent's responsibility to know the spiritual state of their children? In general, yes. So that would be that'd be a thing, like like you're a new parent and you're setting out in this parenting journey and you're you're thinking about the huge weight of responsibility and, and a part of that is I need to kind of keep tabs I need to have an awareness yes. of where my child is spiritually. Well, and you have to know somewhat because then you have to know how to respond to the child. It's it's really and and this is a trial and error thing. So it's not like you're always going to get this right or even most of the time get this right. But I remember staring into the eyes of a child and just 
staring, thinking, is this childishness? Is this foolishness? Did that child intentionally do this thing? Or is he trying to pretend like he didn't (laughs) intentionally do this thing? Or is he really that clueless? Mm -hmm. Because in this particular, with this example, we came to the decision that, no, he really was pretty clueless. And so how I responded very much depended on the why behind what he was doing. Now, sometimes just what he's doing, you, you know, you want to stop that behavior. And so you respond appropriately, but sometimes you have to step back and say, why does this keep happening? What is it that I'm missing here? Mm -hmm. And sometimes the answer is it keeps happening because the child is a fool and we have to be consistent. And he has to learn that no matter how many times he bangs his head against a brick wall, the brick wall is not going to move. But sometimes you have to realize, oh, this is something going on in his heart and mind. This is why he keeps doing this. This is what he's trying to accomplish. Okay, so let's step back and let's figure out a way to help him accomplish that in an appropriate way, you know, assuming it's an appropriate thing, and let's work on not using this way of trying to get what is an appropriate thing to get. Mm-hmm. And so that's where training comes in. And then, of course, sometimes you look at him and just go, wow, that's just hateful. <laughs> yeah. That is him looking at the face of... Of sin, and yeah. we need to deal with that yeah. because, you know, just like I blatantly sin, so do my children sometimes. Yeah, and that's what makes it more painful. Yes. Is seeing ourselves. Well, there is that. I love how uh, Paul puts it in Second Timothy, how Scripture is useful for training in righteousness. And, of course, we know that the Proverbs talks about training your children in righteousness, using the rod, um, using your words. Mm-hmm. Um, using together. Yeah. And the situations of life Mm -hmm. in the situations of life doing this, uh, it really is training them toward it. What, what would you say are some of the, the earmarks or the, the signs of a child who's doing well spiritually? Well, like I said, you can't always know, but you know, you just, we look at the behavior. We look at the attitude. Those are the things that we can see. Mm-hmm. We ask questions. We see how those questions how are answered. Um, and and you just have to go from there. I, I remember particularly a situation, I think we might have referred to this before, but uh, with our oldest daughter. And she was in that, the turbulent years, you know, where she's, I don't know, 12, 13, 14 years old. And you know, it seemed like she was doing really well. Yeah. But at the same time, there's a lot of responsibilities being put on her. Um, and sometimes she would go quiet on us, which you and I pretty much don't know what to do with that. That's very concerning. <laughs> yeah, because when they go radio silence, you know, that is not our natural bent when we're yeah. not doing well. <laughs> well, and, and no communication is kind of a scary thing. Right. You don't know where anybody is. Right. And, but at the same time, you know, I was looking at her day to day and thinking, seems, I mean, she seems fine. And so then she offered to let me read her journal. And did you ask how she was doing or? I think I did. What precipitated that? I think we, we were tr- probing questions, trying yeah. to probe and weren't getting a lot back. But she said, well, you know, I, I do better about writing my feelings down. You know, do you want to look at my journal? And 
which I was like, oh, yeah, it'd be great. And sure enough, we found out she was exactly what, you know, we call her, we call her Lizzywig instead of Wizzywig. Yeah. You know, what you see is what you get is a Wizzywig. Yeah. Um, and she's Lizzywig. <laughs> what yes. you see is what you get. Yes. If she's not doing well, you can see that. And if everything looks fine, then she's doing fine. Yeah. And that was reassuring to us to see, you know, those times when she got quiet were times when she was sad that she had not done what she was supposed to do. One of the ways I remember that we've seen uh, into our children's hearts a little more clearly uh, is how they react to authority. Oh, absolutely. That's a huge one. And how they relate to other people in their lives. So mm-hmm. so if they're just really self-absorbed and everybody is in my way or mm-hmm. or they're argumentative with everybody or they're they're bucking authority in their life or any kind of not not even like top down strong authority, just any kind of intervention or interference, you know, they can yeah. see it as these. If there was any of that, they just did not do well. And it was a pretty clear sign to us. Yeah. They were on a bad track. We found too, that the way they respond to authority that in a sense is weaker than they are is a good indicator of where they are. Hmm. And by that, I mean, as our boys got older and got into their teen years, you know, I'm a small person. It doesn't take very long for the boys to be taller and bigger than me. And so here I am, if you will, physically inferior. Well, and also uh, either pregnant or nursing right. or sick. Right. Or just, so, so not yeah. assertive, not, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. not up and, you know, moving around and stuff. And we could see where their hearts were by how they responded to me when I was giving them jobs and things to do or correcting them mm-hmm. because... You know, with with those boys, and you know, I hate to you hate to demean them, but in some ways, it's like the dog pack, you know, and the big dog wins. Mm-hmm. And so, very rarely do any of our boys come up against you because you're you're bigger, you're stronger, <laughs> you have a deeper voice, you speak, and they get the shivers in their it's spine. The alpha male, right? Yeah, right. So there's just a real physiological submission that happens Mm -hmm. just because and and you wield a you you know you wield a big stick you know whereas with me you know first of all by the time they get to a certain age we don't spank I don't spank them because I feel absolutely ridiculous doing so you know they're bigger than me that's Mm -hmm. ridiculous Mm -hmm. you know I I mean I don't spank them either at that point no but I'm saying but I don't have I don't have what you have sure (laughs) I don't have that presence of authority and so when I would give them jobs or correct them in what they were doing how they responded to me was a pretty good illustration of how they were responding to authority period because in a lot of ways what what you're looking at is how they're responding to flawed authority when people when we can see what's in people's hearts when when the authority is not doing well Mm -hmm. (laughs) so when authority when you're doing everything and your authority is in agreement with you, you know, everybody's happy and everybody's yeah. moving along and you don't see the rebellion. Yeah. It's when, you know, the church or the government or the employer or the father says, uh, no, we're going to go this way and you want to go this way. Now we see what's in your heart. Mm-hmm. Because are you going to say, yes, Lord, 
mm-hmm. <laughs> and respond well to the authority in your life? Or are you going to say, I don't think so and go your own way. And so that relationship with these big boys and me was a pretty good indication of where they were a better indication than just with what they did with you. Now, those are several things that we've seen that kind of show that they were on a bad track. Let's give some examples of good things that we've seen that indicate, hey, their heart's in a great place. Well, I remember particularly one of our sons went through his playlist and eliminated inappropriate, I shouldn't say inappropriate, because it wasn't stuff that you and I said, no, you can't listen to it. Yeah. But he felt like this music is not contributing to my spiritual well-being. I am getting it off of my yeah. my playlist or whatever. Sure. Um, so that was a good thing. Um, I watch what choices they make in their reading material. Mm-hmm. That's a really good indication for the readers <laughs> to see what they pick and what they're reading. Uh, entertainment choices, whether things bother them. You know, if you see something on the screen and it bothers you, or if you see something on a screen and they don't, it doesn't bother you, that's a pretty good indication of where you're at as far as discernment goes. And I would, I would just add on all of these, not, you don't look at any of these legalistically. That, that's, no. that, that's what makes this challenging. It'd right. be easy if you just had a kind of a black and white rule, but what these things get at is what their, what their appetites are. Yeah. What, what are they hungering for? Right. And, and another one is we've noticed as, um, as things that come up in the church and kids that come to you that have concerns. I'm concerned about my friend. I see these things. Hmm, that's true. Yeah. And, and in every case that they were concerned, they were right to be so. And of course, yeah. a lot of times you have more information than they do. Yeah. And so you've been able to encourage them and say, you know what? I think you, that'd be great if you went and spoke with them and just in love, tell them you're here for them and, you know, maybe share your concern. Mm-hmm. Um, just one another, each other. So those are all really good things. In the, in the smaller ones, um, things like uh, volunteering to help or noticing when there's a need around them, that's always a really good, and, and that's a long time in coming for some guys, honestly, some <laughs> children. I say guys because we have an overwhelming number of boys. But, um, but you know, when they voluntarily notice a need and meet it or when they are generous, when when they do things without prompting, that's when you know, okay, they're maturing. They're mm-hmm. doing well. Mm-hmm. They're not living in their own little world. They're actually looking on ways to serve and help others. One thing that I know that we've done occasionally, sometimes we do it because we feel like we have to, because we're at a crisis moment. Uh, and other times I think we've done it just because it seemed like a good idea at the time, and that is to maybe in family worship or just around the dinner table, just ask them how they're doing. Uh, talk about life in general and see where everybody's at. Yeah. Uh, just have conversation. Yeah. And you can, you learn a lot when you ask. Uh, sometimes you'll go around and say, you don't, you don't, and this is, I appreciate that you don't do this all the time because like you said, I don't want to become a legalistic thing, but at certain points in our family life, you have taken time to go around the circle. Does anyone have anything they need to repent of and ask forgiveness for? And then at other times, you've gone around the circle and said, does anybody have anything that they're thankful for? And recently in family worship, one of our older children um, gave thanks for the gift of Spina Bifida and Patrick. Mm. 
and and what a special thing it is that he has this thing that most people don't have and how it puts us into a place of ministry and how he will have he will see God in ways that most of us won't mm-hmm. and we will be able to glorify God for things that others wouldn't and we will meet people that we would never meet any other way and how special it is that he has spine of if and how grateful he is for that. And not only did that show you where that child's heart is, but it also informed the other children's hearts. And I have heard other kids since then call it the gift of spina bifida. <laughs> that special thing, spina bifida. And I love that that's the way the children look at this. Yeah, who'd have thought we'd think of them as a gifted child? Right, right. Um, that just, it changes everything about the way you view challenges. Yeah. So uh, that's another thing, you know, when you... Even when you do the, does anybody have anything to repent of? And when, you know, you and I, we know that this child has these things to repent of. And then they don't repent of those things. (laughs) That also tells you where your child is spiritually. (laughs) You know, one of the good things that we do that I I guess we have to assume isn't always happening because we've, we've been around long enough, I guess, to see it is that we talk pretty regularly, you and I. Mm -hmm. Um, now, it seems like the last four or five months that's been very hard to make happen. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I I called you yesterday and said, "Hey, I'm just telling you what I did today." Yeah, instead not, of not what I'm going to do. Yeah, this was at four thirty. Where I've been. <laughs> normally, it's it's talking ahead of time, but normally we are able to um, get our heads together and discuss things and take the time to work it out and really talk through things. Sometimes we'll we'll go out so that we can yeah. have some uninterrupted time it really helps <clears throat> it really helps that we homeschool i don't think our children i think they're uh how do i say this i don't think they've gotten in more academics because we homeschool mm-hmm. um i do think we've been more efficient and so we've been mm-hmm. able to spend less time academically achieving better results but the best part about homeschooling for us has not been the academic side of it in fact, sometimes it even feels a little burdensome, but it's been the time that we have to input into the kids and to get, see where they are. So whether it's while I'm showing a child a math concept, when just having the time to not, to be able to put the books aside and to deal with the character issue that comes up, mm-hmm. uh, but more just the daily interaction that in a sense, it's forced upon us because we have taken over the responsibility of their complete education. (laughs) You know, that um, we, I just don't know if if the kids were all in school, uh, how I would have the time to interact with each of them the way I do now, because I'm not sitting down with them regularly, even though it's in the context of teaching them math or grammar or reading. But at the, but as you're doing that, you're seeing into their heart. Yeah. You're seeing what's going on. You're even seeing what's their focus. What are they pursuing? Yeah. You know, cause sometimes that's in competition to what we're trying to accomplish, but you can get a better handle on where they are because you've spent time with them in the context of day to day life. Yep. Yeah. Hi, this is Eric from Highlands. 
I hope you have enjoyed this podcast from Kara and Steve Murphy as much as I have. The Murphys have long written for our magazine, Every Thought Captive, and I'm thrilled that we're getting to hear even more from them as they seek to apply scripture to their everyday lives. The Murphys are just a part of the community of believers that make up the teaching at Highlands. We are adding new voices all the time as we seek to learn from each other about what God would have us to be and how he would have us to live. You can find this podcast and all our other resources on our website at highlandsministriesonline.org. I value your feedback. You are who we are here for. If you have any questions or comments or concerns, please don't hesitate to email me at info at highlandsministriesonline.org. 